Hello, this is Racing Height from British Columbia, Canada, on Sexy Vegan Radio, reading Chapter 5 of my unpublished novel, Trouble in Paradise, Barbie and the Barbarian. It would have been over my dead body that I, Barbie Finch, would have gone anywhere near that revolting barbarian. But thanks to the superior power and control I had gained in paradise over that imbecile Penelope, a wannabe heroine from some stupid, romanticized, old black-and-white movie that she had forced me to watch with her in Wee Wee, I had easily become dominant in the body we shared. Still, my survival instinct just now must have been on red alert, for I had actually managed at this very moment to take complete control of Penelope and stop her dead in her tracks, don't I wish, before she could confront that hideous creature. Penelope's death wish to convince the barbarian to cut his grass had started in art class when Mrs. Nochatu had informed us that the disgusting boyfriend of her daughter Melissa had suddenly disappeared. She assumed that he was a victim of that Neanderthal's high grass along with my mother's smartphone dropped in shock the day of the huge loincloth incident, which had been a far worse tragedy knowing the brute as we did, the name I had given Melissa's boyfriend in class. But though Penelope had gotten me into this huge mess with her promise to my neighbors, and though Brady knew about Penelope's disastrous decision, and as far as he was concerned, I was taking too long to do it, at least my brief presence here at the barbarian's front door would prove to my neighbors that I, Barbie, was the fearless leader of paradise and their hero, which I would be sure to let Mrs. Notchatu know all about as soon as I hightailed it out of this twilight zone that idiotic Penelope had dropped me into. And then I'd come up with a brilliant plan to get rid of the barbarian without risking my own life, my popularity in paradise working so much better for me if I was alive rather than dead, I thought with panic now, reminded that I was still standing in front of that barbarian's front door. Before I could escape, however, the front door suddenly swung open and all at once a gigantic creature materialized in front of me. I gasped with fright at the sight of him. Damn that Penelope! I, Penelope, now finding myself standing just inside the entrance of the home of the young barbarian, who had reached out with one huge hand and pulled me in, felt utter relief that I was fully present in my body again. With Barbie as the sole identity recognized in paradise, and her existence more real than mine, she had rapidly gained strength as I weakened. And what she had just demonstrated to me mere moments ago was the truly terrifying power she possessed to instantly consume my entire essence if her desire was intense enough. But though her desire to escape the barbarian had managed to completely overpower me, I was equally determined to weave my own final destiny. When the door shut behind me, however, my relief quickly turned to fear, and with no time to plan an exit if needed, I now sucked in my breath and looked up, way, way up. He was tall, dark, and handsome, with a lot of body hair, his hairy forearms in perfect proportion to his large hands, his long, coarse black hair skirting massive shoulders that joined a thick neck and a square jaw, sprouting a tidy beard, and a head that featured a broad brow above dark, bushy eyebrows. He was a big fellow, to say the least, perhaps reaching seven feet tall and another few feet wide, although that could have been my awe giving me that particular perception. By description of big and hairy, I'm quite sure it was accurate. I now let out my breath before I imploded. How did one talk to a barbarian? 
How could I communicate with him? My neighbor may have been a scary-looking barbarian, but I would just try to see him as being no different than me. Hello, I began, smiling weakly, and noticed for the first time that he smiled too. I came to tell you that the neighbors, I hesitated, they really want you to cut your grass. He peered out at his jungle through a window with a quizzical expression. He obviously had some comprehension skills. Frankly, my dear, he roared in his deep baritone, still smiling, I don't give a damn. I, I know, I stammered. I don't blame you, but the neighbors are petty and small-minded. I could feel Barbie's anger bubbling inside of me, but she couldn't seem to protest. Frankly, my dear, he said, I don't give a damn. If he wasn't entirely the strong, silent type, he was definitely a barbarian of few words. He was very sweet in his reference to me as my dear, though, and I had to admit that he had a nice smile, too. When I dared to keep my gaze on his, I noticed that he had deep-set, almond-shaped eyes that appeared soft and gentle. His peach curtain was quite becoming on him, I thought, and he must have been wearing his loincloth because I had not seen it air-drawing from a window. He wasn't that scary a barbarian after all, I convinced myself. I began to relax a little, following after his lumbering barbarian gait as he ushered me into the cozy kitchen. Although the barbarian owned a kettle, I could feel Barbie's temper boiling at the absence of a microwave, but still she seemed unable to do anything about it. I gazed around me and observed the gas stove, an old-fashioned toaster that couldn't toast bagels, a fridge that obviously did not self-clean, and an ancient upright vacuum cleaner resting in an open closet. When I caught a glimpse of the long carving knife propped against the sink, I suddenly felt faint. But I knew it was Barbie's reaction, not mine. I must have looked pale, however, for the barbarian showed me to his rough wooden table and tapped on a wooden chair, motioning for me to sit down. Then he made mint tea. He was a very civilized barbarian, for the tea was rather good. While I sipped it, trying to figure out a way to get the barbarian to cut his grass, I felt Barbie wandering inside my head. She wanted to broach the subject of his barbarian lifestyle. Was this something you were born with? Could he not, in fact, help himself? Was it catching? But to my joy, Barbie couldn't say a single word. Your grass, I tried once more. Do you think it might need some mowing, I asked the barbarian. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, he answers with his light-hearted smile. Oh, you're right, I stammered again. I don't blame you for putting it off. There's so much else to do. I closed my eyes to better concentrate, trying to come up with some kind of solution that would work. I could feel Barbie's boredom growing restlessness. My hands twitched uncomfortably as Barbie needed a switch to flick. She needed to text, tweet, and Instagram. She was suffering withdrawal. When I glanced back at the barbarian again, I felt the blood instantly drain from my veins. I shrieked. Ah! He shrieked. I had scared him. As the barbarian dropped the huge plate he had offered me, shards of crockery skittered across the floor, and the plate's contents bounced. On the plate rested a bulging thigh, a thigh tattooed with a four-letter word that was not nice and was followed by you, which I had already gathered meant everyone. Unconsciously, I removed the brute's invisible spittle from my face. The barbarian stared at the shattered plate, then at me. I stared at the barbecue thigh, then at him. I instantly lost my sense of taste. The thank you for the tea. I've got to go home now, I whispered, jumping to my feet. I edged away from the barbarian toward the door. I would soon have my hand on the doorknob, turning it to safety. I could feel my own panic now grinding in my gut like a civilized person without a charge card. So close, so close, when suddenly the whole world appeared to turn as black as hell itself. Ah! I screamed. Ah! He screamed. I had scared him again. 
No electricity, I whimpered to myself. No light, I thought. To no beacon to lead me back to civilization. The barbarian now took me gently by the elbow, and I stumbled along with him step by step, moving back into the netherworld. When we reached the living room, he leaned over and seated me on a bench, his face dangerously close to mine, along with his large molars, though his mouth still wore that same broad smile. I really didn't want to stay for dinner, I thought with growing horror. He then sped through the house, returning with a tall candle and matches, as if this inconvenience didn't matter to him at all. But in his brief absence, I had noticed a primitive art mural that the barbarian had painted on one wall, and in my fascination, my fear and distrust seemed to disintegrate. This is so beautiful, I said to the barbarian, mesmerized by the wall, the live and natural earth pigments of red ochre, yellow, and black. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, he said, though I knew he must have been pleased. There were lions, reindeer on the move, a red panther, an owl, two horses, a bear and a rhinoceros. Bursting with vitality and strength, the animals engaged in friendly combat and chased one another playfully. There was also a composite being that I noticed, a half-man, half-bison, with the head belonging to the man. The barbarian used colors masterfully, his technical ability reflected in skilled reliefs, a sense of depth, as well as this accuracy of the physical proportions of depicted animals. I had become a devoted student of Mrs. Nachitu. This is a work of astounding originality, the breathtaking canvas of a master worthy of the best galleries, I rhapsodized. I knew how much Barbie disapproved of my outpouring of sentiment, how she hated the sort of spontaneous emotional display, but she liked to play it cool and detached. But somehow I could be myself here, for Barbie didn't appear to have her usual power over me. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, the barbarian said, though I knew he must have been pleased. As the hours ticked by and still the electricity had not returned, the most amazing situation transpired. I was enjoying myself. We played cards with actual cards and checkers with actual checkers on a board. The barbarian was good at games too, and thankfully I didn't have to refuse to eat the bulging thigh of the, of the brute. I would never have had him over for dinner, and I certainly didn't want him for dinner. I told the barbarian that I was a vegan and had already eaten. When the lights came on, I was almost disappointed. And then I remembered that I had not yet solved the problem of the barbarian and his high grass. I believed that I would have some influence over our gardener, Abe Kalinsky, who had become my friend, and hopefully he would agree to manage the barbarian's jungle of a lawn at the next opportunity I had to talk to him. This was getting more challenging these days, however, with Barbie's increasingly dominant presence over my life, and she couldn't stand him. But now that my heart had felt the truth of the barbarian's pure spirit, and I knew that he would never harm a living soul, I would ask Abe Kalinsky for help, for I was certain that the barbarian had not been responsible for killing the brute. On the other hand, I doubted that most of the neighbors would have had any moral issue about exploiting an innocent being who was just being his barbarian self, but whom they accepted at once as inferior to them for their own benefit. I assumed that the neighbor involved would have never get their own hands dirty, of course, and would have most likely hired someone from outside of paradise to slaughter their intended victim. And after locating a suitable butcher to portion cut and package the body, it would have then been delivered to the barbarian to grill on his barbecue and consume, leaving no evidence of foul play. And I immediately thought about Melissa, who would have had her reasons for wanting her boyfriend to disappear. Smiling at my new friend in paradise, I said, I'll make you a deal. If you let our gardener cut your grass, I'll take you to art class with me, okay? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, the barbarian answered me, though I knew he must have been pleased. 
Now I had to hope that Mrs. Notchett too could also somehow be enticed into letting the barbarian join our class. I knew that Barbie had her own motivation to be known as the fearless hero of paradise, and she would use whatever resources she had at hand to get what she wanted. So I, Penelope, would do everything in my increasingly limited power to get Barbie to want what I passionately wanted, which was to assure that the barbarian's lawn was taken care of as soon as possible. It was the only way that he would ever be able to fit into paradise, if at all, and hopefully this would keep him safe. For my intuition told me that there was trouble in paradise, and it was now quickly marching toward my newest neighbor, the barbarian.